1: Sexton out front, Love, Kevin, three, got it! All day, that high dribble, three. Sexton with the tip, no, rebound, fought for Osman, got it, laid it in! Hustle. How about the effort by the Cavaliers? Love got it back, feeds in the lane to Sexton, and he'll jam it home. And that's the added feature to the Bigger Staff Offense. When the big
2: guys get the ball, Tim, there's always cutters.
1: Welcome to Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin Williams. Thank you for joining us on the Cleveland Cavaliers Radio Network. Now here are your hosts, Tim Alcorn and Jim Jones, from the Cavaliers Radio Studios at Rocket Mortgage Field House in downtown Cleveland. Hi again, everybody, and welcome to Cavs HQ. Presented by Sherwin-Williams. Hopefully you all had a very healthy and happy Thanksgiving, and we are glad to be back. Cavaliers basketball right around the corner as a preseason schedule has been announced. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. Cavs have made some moves since the last time we were together on Cavs HQ. So, Jim Jones, uh, let's talk about that a little bit. First of all, hope you and yours had a very happy... Happy Thanksgiving as well, Jim.
2: Yes, we did. And the test for that is how do you feel the next morning? (laughs) I felt stuffed.
1: (laughs) I think that's true for the majority of folks. So, uh, again, let's get into uh, some of the moves that the Cavaliers made in the last week since we were together on Cavs HQ. So uh, the first move, uh, they send Alfonso McKinney and Jordan Bell out to L.A. and get a veteran center in return in JaVale McGee. And, of course, uh, he was on the Lakers championship team this year. A couple of those Golden State championship teams that we know all about. Uh, Your thoughts on JaVale McGee now becoming a Cavalier?
2: Well, they're looking for bench depth, and they're looking for guys that have impact but don't have to play a lot of minutes. Because the strategy is still to give the uh, the young players who who are inexperienced significant time so that they can keep developing, but in those times uh, that they need a rest, fatigue, injury, uh, uh, foul trouble, or just a change of pace of the game, you know you've got to have a bench, and you're not going to win in this league, and they're not going to play well. If every night, you know, you're living and dying with your starters and our starters are all young. So what, what Bickerstaff and Kobe are doing right now is they're building a bench. They're building a bench that can match up with the East. And in the East, you better have some size because everybody's getting a little bit bigger. Everybody's coming back to at least having some type of impact with a, with a post player, either on the defensive end or the offensive end. And so they need those kind of players, and they picked
1: up some other kids too, didn't they? They did. Uh, let's talk about Damian Dotson. Uh, we saw him last year with the New York Knicks, uh, averaged just under seven points per game with the Knicks. Year before, he was in double figures at ten point seven per game. Six five shooting guard. Uh, your thoughts on Dotson?
2: Well, it's about matchups, and it's about youth, and it's about athleticism. And if you think of the 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 first round pick, Okoro and then you think of Sexton, and then you think of the athleticism of Drummond, now you've got something. Teams have to know how to deal with that, and they have to to understand how do we match up against Cleveland when they have that type of athleticism. And so this kid is is well-fitted. He can play the one or the two. He can score on his own, and uh, he can help other people score. So it just gives you an added
1: feature. And, Jim, a move that maybe flew under the radar, but, boy, for veteran leadership and a guy in the locker room, uh, the re-signing of Delhi. Delavadova, Matthew Dele Vidova will be back.
2: Yeah, it's a strategy, it, and that strategy is, is to guide our bench, you know, keep them engaged when they're not in the game, and every once in a while put Deli out there and let him make something happen. And, uh, but uh, mostly leadership. And there's nothing wrong with that. Every team should have that. In fact, most teams that have what they call a significant bench, it has leadership sitting on the bench. And that leadership is not determined by how many minutes they play, but what they can bring to the table psychologically. You know, uh, how do they keep guys prepared? And uh, talking to our young guards.
1: I'll tell you what, uh, Delhi, almost another coach for J.B. Bickerstaff. Uh, he really knows the game and knows how to work with those younger players.
2: Yeah, I agree with you, Tim. And uh, he brings the whole package. He knows our history. He knows where, where we want to be because we've been there with him, uh, you know, when we were at the top of the mountain. So so that vision he can help instill in our younger players who don't have that experience.
1: Well, an incredible guest will be joining us in the legends chair for tonight's uh, Cavs HQ, Spencer Haywood. He had an amazing NBA career. He's a member of the Hall of Fame but he has an extraordinary story in life as well. So we'll have Spencer Haywood drop by and sit in the Legends chair right after this on Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. Welcome back. It's Cavs HQ presented by Sherwin Williams, Tim Elkhorn, along with Jim Jones. And of course, each and every week on Cavs HQ, we have a legend settle into the legends chair. And so uh, getting good and comfortable in the legends chair for this edition of Caps HQ is indeed an iconic legend in the NBA, not only for his playing career, but really an historical figure in the NBA and we'll delve into it with our guest in the legends chair Spencer Haywood. So Spencer, first of all, a huge thank you to you for coming on the show. Hope you're comfortable in that legends chair as uh you're joined by your former teammate Jim Jones. So I'm sure there's going to be a story or two about that as well. Got a few <laughs> okay all right well before we get to those stories i want to i want to paint the picture as far as uh, your remarkable life and your career uh, i'll try to run through it quickly but for the younger fans perhaps listening or not familiar with spencer haywood uh, i'm just going to go through this you were one of 10 children in mississippi You grew up in Mississippi. Then you moved to Detroit as a teenager to live with your brother. So you play high school basketball in Detroit. 1967, you led Pershing High School to a state championship. You then go to junior college in Colorado, where you average 28 points and 22 rebounds per game. You're then a member of the 68 Olympic gold medal team. You lead that team in scoring, the 68 gold medal team, 16 points a game. Your sophomore year in college, you go to the University of Detroit. There, you average 32 and 25. 32 points a game, 25 rebounds a game. Then you decide to turn pro, which, of course, is in violation of the NBA rule at the time regarding players having to come into the NBA after their college college season would have concluded, so you say, heck, I'm going to the ABA, and at 20 years old, 20 years old in the ABA with the Denver then Rockets, you average 30 points and 19 rebounds a game, and you were Rookie of the Year and MVP. Oh my goodness, and we haven't even touched on the NBA career yet. <laughs> Did I miss anything there, Spencer? <laughs> Not, nothing
0: at all. You're
1: perfect. Oh, my goodness. So uh, let's start with, first of all, your short college career, uh, the junior college stint in Colorado, and then going to the University of Detroit. And after that sophomore season at the University of Detroit, thinking, hey, the numbers show it, my talent level shows it, I'm good enough to go to the NBA. But you knew the rule. So what in your mind says, I've got to challenge this rule.
0: What happened was, in the beginning, when I went to Trinidad State Junior College, I signed with the with the University of Tennessee as the first black to sign in the Southeastern Conference. Adolph Rupp, the then coach of Kentucky, had lost to five blacks, and uh, 66, Texas Western. Yep. And so he felt he should have the first black player in that conference.
1: <laughs> I mean, the,
0: the, you know, so-called superstar. And so yeah. there was this rambling back and forth. And so Will Robertson, who had adopted me and raised me, who also became the the first black coach in Division One history at Illinois State University, he asked me to like go down to this very fabulous place in in um, Colorado, which was <laughs> forty. <laughs> it was supposed to be three hundred sixty miles from uh, three hundred sixty miles from Denver, and it was supposed to be twenty five thirty miles from Denver and less than that from to Albuquerque, in New Mexico. So I get stuck out there, and you know. <laughs> Jim, you know how your people do. Uh, no. so, we get, we, we, so I'm thinking, I'm going to go party in Denver. I'll party up in, in, in Albuquerque. I'll go down. You know, it'll be fun. I get out there. It's like we're uh, like all of these, we're like 420 miles from Albuquerque, 365 from Denver. So all I had to do is just play basketball, play basketball, and study. And I was just studying. And I had my head in this book because... If you maintain a B average in junior college at that time, you could then leave after one year. So, and and that happened. What happened there was in '68, the U.S. Olympic team was getting assembling their players, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar said, "No, I'm not going to go to the '68 Olympics. I'm going to boycott." Elvin Hayes and Wesley Unsell said, "No, I'm not going to the Olympics. I'm going to sign my pro contract, which normally you de- normally you deferred your contract for a month right. until the Olympic Games are over, and then you go in because you could not play they, uh, as a pro. And so they came looking for players. So they said, "Well, let's make put together a junior college team to play against the nc two a." and the aau team the aau teams were big back then and we had y'all had a great team coming out of akron goodyear calvin Fowler and jim king who made the olympic team
2: right yeah
1: wow and
0: so so when we got down here to the olympic trials uh jerry tarkanian had put together this uh junior college all-star team so we came in there and we Beating everybody we was playing we had johnny johnson uh cliff mealy john george trap i mean you know all of the renegades were like in junior college at that time because it was new to the nc2a that you would be bringing in uh black players on on, onto your team so we just went the junior college route and would come back in and so hank iber saw me play and he was like oh jerry don't you play that boy too much Now, I I think I'm going to pick him. I'm going to pick him. And so when they (laughs) get ready, Jim, to pick the team, I'm sitting there thinking, you know, I got me some gear. I'm going back to Detroit, show my boys. Hey, man, I tried out for the Olympic team. Hold it. Spencer Haywood, you're a pick.
1: (laughs) 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 The first player pick. I'm like,
0: well, oh, my God.
1: That's an amazing story.
0: (laughs) So we, we get to thinking, you know, and, like, everybody is like, well, We've got to put in and get you, get you, have your parents send, you, send right now while we're practicing up in Alamosa and, and Colorado and so on. Have them get your birth certificate to you. I was like, oh, boy. I signed an affidavit when I moved from Mississippi to Detroit, and my mother signed an affidavit in Detroit and went back to Mississippi. So I didn't have a birth certificate. So that the, the Olympic Committee was going crazy. How could you be born an American without a birth certificate? I said, I have one. <laughs> so so, so they, they called my mother and said, Mrs. Hayward, you know, we got to have this his birth certificate. She says, yeah, I got a birth certificate right here, but I'm not sending my Bible. Because <laughs> I, I, oh, I, 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 I have to go to right. church on Sunday. This Bible do right, not right. go without me. You know, so we go down to Mississippi and we <laughs> they take a picture of the Bible on the John twenty one is where I was written in the Bible because I was born by a midwife in, in rural Mississippi. So uh, yeah. they get John twenty one, we get the birth certificate, and I get back to the to, to Alamosa, Colorado. I like I got this birth certificate. Let me let's open it up. Charlie Scott, JoJo White. I open it up. Let's see what it says. And it says Spencey. Haywood. She didn't know how to spell my name. That's
1: awesome. Well, let's sneak in a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll delve more into this awesome story and life of one Spencer Haywood as he reclines in the Legends Chair on Caps HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. Cavs HQ presented by Sherwin Williams. Tim Elcorn, along with Jim Jones and a extraordinary NBA legend in our Legends Chair, Spencer Haywood. We're honored to have him. So, Spencer, you were telling the story about the Olympic team and so forth, and so uh, before we move into uh, the ABA. Uh what was your thoughts on the league because it was certainly an upstart league but it had some great talent. Uh what were your thoughts on going to the ABA?
0: Well, I wasn't thinking about going to the ABA because Will Robinson was offered the job at the University of Detroit if they could sign me. And they signed me. I agreed on on all principles and so did Will. And and once they got me, they said, well, we got you. you you're too great of a player to leave. And where, where can you play? And, and the NBA had drafted Kareem number one that year. And Kareem and I was on the All-American team. Jim, let me just tell you all about that All-American team.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the the <laughs> leading
0: scorer on the All-American team in 68, Pete Maverick averaged 44 points okay. per game. The second player behind uh, uh, Pete Maravich was Rick Mount. He averaged 39 points per game. Hmm. And the player behind him, Calvin Murphy, averaged 33. And so there I was at 32, and there was Kareem at 29. (laughs) (laughs) So so we were putting them up.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And making them. (laughs) So they they came to me uh, and said,
0: well, you know, Hannah Storm's father, Mike Storm, who was yes, uh, public knew, relations and sort Mike, of acting yeah. commissioner for the ABA, said, "Look, if we can we can sign you to go to the uh, to the ABA if you could just get five points and maybe two rebounds. This gambit would work. We would have something that we can then undercut the NBA and their draft. We get all of the guys before they get to the NBA, and this gambit would work." So, I was like, "Hey, my mother's still picking cotton in Mississippi for two dollars a day, and her yeah. her back had went out, so she was dragging a sack of cotton, and she couldn't do anything. so I was like, Yeah, I think i'll I'll try it out wow, and that's how I ended up in the ABA. Jim, and the n c two a and everybody jumped on us and said, "'Hey, you can't do this, you're breaking the rules. This is my violation.
2: That's <laughs> right." This Spencer, and so
0: we went ahead uh, with it. The, the whole league endorsed it, and, and so I went to play there in the ABA. It was fun. It was fun. We sold out all of our games, our home games. But we had players posing for calendars while we were playing. We had <laughs> oh, slam dunk. Concert. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jim, guys would lay on the bench posing for a calendar and we're warming up and we're like, wait, wait a minute. We got (laughs) to (laughs) go because we were selling this new upstart league. And, and so my first game, I'm playing Louis Dampier and Dale carrier. So I'm back. I'm chugging back chugging back. And I had heard of the three point shot, but I was like, ah, ain't nobody going to be shooting that thing, you know? So I'm chugging back. I get back set back in the middle and I'm waiting for somebody to come driving in, they, they pass the ball out to the corner, swish. I was like, whoa, <laughs> and they kept doing it, man. They were sharpshooters, so the ABA was
2: so much fun. Jim? You know, you know Spencer, uh, uh, I have to give you all your accolades, uh, but you're the reason why I turned pro at my sophomore year at Marquette. There's only been three people in our game that to me are gods. Bill Russell, I respect him so much because of his uh, off-the-court social justice uh, initiatives, but also on the court winning all the championships. And then you came, and I came up to see you play Marquette. And you had, yeah. I think you might have had 38 and 28 rebounds, and i never seen anybody dominate anybody. And I used to go see the Bucks play all the time. I never saw anybody dominate like you. And then Kareem. And, you know, uh, I was blessed to play with him in my last year in L.A. But the point I'm making is this, Spencer, is that coming from where you came from, I just want to know one thing. Picking cotton, my people are from Holly Springs, Mississippi.
0: Oh, boy, you're right around the corner.
2: I know. What were you thinking (laughs) about as a kid growing up? So that these young kids can get an idea of what it takes to be successful. I mean, just give me something to hold on to. We we got other questions and we got time, but yeah. but but what was your thought process, you know, that uh that that you saw and that unbelievable desire and courage to do what you did the Supreme Court, Spencer? Really? You went to the Supreme yeah. Court? Talk about that for yeah. a minute.
0: Okay, well, in, in Silver City, Mississippi, where I'm from, and I want to remind you both that there is no silver and it ain't no city. It was only, <laughs> so it was, only, it was only 375 people, and we were scattered all in these cotton fields. So I would pick cotton from sunup to sundown. And so my brothers mm-hmm. and I, we would always say, Who's going to be the best cotton picker this county had ever witnessed? And so I was working from sun up to sundown picking this cotton, and I, I enjoyed it because I was, it's competition. And so I was right. trying to outdo my brothers who were older, and they were geeking me. You know, you, you got big hands. You could do this. You could be the best. And so I picked the two rows, which gave me eye and hand coordination. I I pulled a sack of 100 pounds when I was 10, and so my legs and body had developed. And so I ended up doing all these things to get to be the best cotton picker. And lo and behold, a basketball came into play. My mother said, we're going to let you guys have a basketball court right here in the yard. Don't worry. And so we played in, in the yard. Uh, on our basketball court and that's when I first fell in love with basketball. But the first golf, the first game that I loved was golf because I was a caddy at the country club there in, oh, in Silver okay. city. Cause that's, we had so much sure. land. They built the country club there. So uh, basketball came to play. And I, I just fell in love with it. And I just, I just played it for fun. I was just, I just loved to play. Then when I got to Detroit, all of these great players, uh, I had to play for a place to stay when I was, when I, when I moved up to Detroit, my brother was at, yes, where Bowling Green State University. And so I was supposed to stay and play at Bowling Green high school, but I didn't, I, I went on over to Detroit and Will Robinson set up this exhibition where I played against, uh, all of the high school players, George Trapp and all of those guys. And then, uh, I played against the, the college players, which was Cassie Russell, Bill Buttons, and all of those players. And then I played against Dave Bing and John Tresvan, Reggie Harden, all those players as, in this game. It was like at Crunk uh, outdoor basketball court. And they were like yeah, amazed no at how long I could play. And they kept pushing me. Like, how long can he play? He played one game, and the other young players trapping all of them, he ain't going to play another game. And I was like, "I've been picking cotton for t- <laughs> for twelve hours a day. Are you nuts?"
1: Yeah, Basketball's <laughs> is is easy, fun. at that point, no doubt. All right, and we y'all got giving
0: some- me some Converse shoes. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs>
1: Great stories from our guest in the Legends Chair, Spencer Haywood. We've got more with Spencer. He's agreed to stay on a little bit longer. He loves that Legends Chair, so stay with us on Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin Williams. The Cavaliers tipped off our annual season of giving by safely assisting those in need this Thanksgiving. A City of Cleveland van was used to deliver 200 reusable gift bags to 200 pre-selected families affiliated with City of Cleveland Resource and Rec Centers, where the Cavs recently completed basketball court refurbishment projects. Each gift bag was filled with a $50 Giant Eagle gift card and some Cavs swag. Cavs in the community brought to you by Discount Drug Mart. We'll be right back with the second half of Cavs HQ. Presented by Sherwin-Williams. Oh, we're having a great time on Cavs HQ. Presented by Sherwin-Williams in the Legends Chair. And certainly an NBA legend, not only for his playing, but for his historic role in the NBA, Spencer Haywood and Spencer, I want to pick up there because uh, we mentioned earlier you challenged the NBA rule that a player had to wait until his graduating senior class in college uh, would be done before entering the NBA draft. Seattle signs you and before your graduating class, and this case goes all the way to Supreme Court. Uh, Supreme Court rules in your favor, and so the NBA at that time then established what was known as hardship cases uh, for about five or six years and then they just said early entry but hardship cases so without you without you the LeBrons the Kobe's the Moses Malone's I mean all those young men that came out early uh, you were the trendsetter very similar to Kurt Flood in baseball as far as free agency but yours was the early entry for NBA correct
0: correct what happened was was the, M- the ABA signed me to a so-called $1.9 million contract in 1970? And so, with that contract, they stated that I would—they would put $10,000 into this dog off plan created by this Jeff Dog Off guy, and when I get to be age 50 to age 70. I would withdraw the money as a, as an annuity. Right. And that was supposed to reach 1.5. But then they put a stipulation into the contract, you have to be employed by Ringsby Truck Line, who owned the Rockets, in order oh. to get the money. And you got to live that long. And so <laughs> I got this young lawyer named Al Ross who was a young young upstart lawyer, he was, you know, trying to make a name for himself. We go into the office of uh the Ringsby truck line and the Rockets and said, you know, we just wanted you to correct this contract and, and we're gonna we're gonna be fine. And then we got in <laughs> touch with Seattle with the Seattle okay. supersonic, Sam Schuman, who was to change the system in the in the A B in in the NBA because the NBA they had never had a player at an early stage. And so Jerry Colangelo was like, you know, we need to make a move because this ABA is going to steal all of our players. Let's take that top dog. And so that's how I ended up signing with Seattle. And and Sam Shulman said, we have to fight this. And I was like, let's fight it. My God, I want to play. Because they initially wanted me to set out for that year. But then I would have to go back into the draft. And who knows where I would end up. In the NBA. And so we filed suit for the rights to play. And I got a 10-day injunction, a 10-game injunction. So I step on the floor, and I'm thinking everything is fine. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood like Mr. Rogers. But no, they said, ladies and gentlemen, we have an illegal player on the floor, number 24. And I was like, that's my number. (laughs) So the... (laughs) They kept saying that for 10 games, and then they get an injunction against me. And they got their injunction read, ladies and gentlemen, we have an injunction against number, the illegal player, number 24, and he must be escorted off this grounds in which this arena is set on. So they pushed me mm. out off the grounds in which the arena is set on, and it was in Cincinnati. And I, they put me out into the snow. I, I'm standing out there freezing my tail off, and I'm like, what have I gotten myself into? Then I get another injunction. Then I get, they get another injunction. We worked all the way through the court system, all the way through, and we finally got to the Supreme Court. And when we got to the Supreme Court, we thought we had a friend, and we did have a friend on the court. We had Thurgood Marshall, who, who was saying, wait a minute, you mean to tell me, you can send a man to Vietnam at age 18, but this man can't make a living for his family, and his family is picking cotton in Mississippi? No, we're not going to go for this. So we are going to rule in Haywood's favor to play in the NBA under the Sherman Antitrust Act.
1: Wow! And
0: that's when I started to play basketball in the NBA. It That's was it. a long, treacherous
2: year. Wow, Spencer. And the Spencer, NCAA the and the
0: colleges, everybody was, like, throwing bottles on me, saying, you're you going to rob the colleges of their richness and this and that.
2: It was just crazy. Spencer, one game that I went to the in Milwaukee, they were trying to boo you. And I remember Kareem standing up, walking out on the floor when they announced your name, they were booing. And he started clapping. You know, he was there yeah. to encourage you.
0: Before that, it was like all of the, the older players were told by the owners and by the agents that these young guys are going to push you out. So you have to mm. be in protest and boycott against this player too. So Kareem, mm. normally they would go down into the locker room and leave me up there for a little while and let me sweat. But Kareem didn't go down he just stayed up so Kareem clapped and he was like and that's when the sports illustrated caught the cover and said oh we got we got we got one we got the young guys coming they want to get it on and so that's when the union said okay let's just let him play
1: well an amazing nba career it would turn out to be five time all-star just under 15000 points over 7000 rebounds Uh, The career average, 20.3 points per game, 10.3 rebounds per game. Amazing. And inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2015. We've got one more segment with Spencer Haywood. We're having a blast with this guy as he's very frank and forthright in the Legends chair. So we're going to get one more segment with Spencer talking about his playing days with none other than Jim Jones, so stay with us on Caps HQ presented by Sherwin Williams. Welcome back! It's Caps HQ presented by Sherwin Williams. Tim Alcorn, Jim Jones, and of course our fantastic production team on the other side of the window, and that's Marty Allen playing the great music throughout the show today. Kurt McLaughlin doing some serious editing back there, and of course. Leo Simone, enjoying it all. And, of course, uh, Jim Jones and our guest, Spencer Haywood, as he has settled very comfortably into the Legends Chair as part of this Cavs HQ presented by Sherwin-Williams. Well, Spencer, I mentioned uh, an extraordinary NBA career. Of course, your time in Seattle and then the Knicks, New Orleans, the Lakers, where you won an NBA championship uh, with my co-host, Jim Jones. Uh, Some time in Italy, and then you finished up with Washington. But uh, Jim Jones, my illustrious co-host, my broadcast partner on Cavaliers basketball. What was it like playing next to and being a teammate of Jim Jones, Spence?
0: Oh, Jim was Jim was special because Jim was carrying two positions. You know, he was carrying the backup role for the center. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and he was playing behind me as a forward, a big power forward. So we get in, we go to camp up in, I think it was uh, Palm Springs. Palm Springs, yeah. so, Palm Springs. So, you know, I'm out there trying to get my legs back because I didn't work out during that summer and I didn't do the things I should have been doing. But here was, we got... I mean, all of these great young players coming in, and I'm trying to figure out, well, let me see how good this guy is from Michigan State. Nah, man. So we're out there playing. <laughs> we're out there playing. And every time you look up and you think where you should have the ball, he puts it right in your hand. Pow! And you just, oh, man, this is easy basketball and layup. And, and, and in practice, you know, you 10-year veterans, and you're like, why are we, like, jumping up and down in practice? Man, what's going on here? <laughs> so Kareem whispered over to me, man, we got to reverse our, our age here because these guys are going crazy. <laughs> Norm Nixon, he was fly, pushing the ball up the floor so fast and pull yeah. up shooting three. He had Jamal Wilkes, who was, like, slingshotting that nice, smooth shot on the corner. <laughs> had Jim coming back on the left side, hitting... Jump hooks and I was like, "Whoa! I think I got to go get high." <laughs> <No>. <laughs> actually, that's what I actually—that is what I did, and it wasn't that I—I I planned it. But
1: well, Spence, that I wanted year, to. I wanted to ask you about that, because in all seriousness, and you've been a lot of fun on this show, we're having a blast, but uh, you went through some turbulent times in your career, and uh, you've been very forthright uh, about your substance abuse issues. So uh, share with our listeners uh, basically uh, what that did to you and your career, but uh, how you've now uh, totally turned your life around.
0: Yes. Well, in that same season, what happened, I, I'm hanging out with the uh, – People that I knew that in the recording industry, in the modeling industry, because I was married to Iman in the whole fashion world and all of the movie world. So I'm hanging out up in Hollywood while Jim and all of the teammates are, like, you know, getting prepared to win games. I'm sitting up there at this big house, so this guy's back there cooking up some cocaine. So I keep looking at everybody, keep coming out, and their eyes all bugged out. So I thought well you know i'm gonna i'm gonna try one, so I took one hit, and I swear it was it was like something had grabbed me, and i couldn't let and it wouldn't let go i just kept i just kept going back and back and back and back, and then i would I would come to practice I had an attitude because I had to have some quaaludes to slow down the coke. And so I was falling asleep and I was just a nervous wreck, but I didn't, I kept saying, man, I'm all right. I'm all right. So I'm not getting enough playing time right now. I was in so much den- denial and, and, and I tell Jim this story often because I figured, you know, Jim at the end said, Spence, Hey, he shook me. Hey man, you can't be doing this. You gotta be, you, we gotta play. We got a championship. And that's the first time because I went a whole season and nobody put me in check. Yeah, And so I, I was it. like, okay, okay, okay. And so I got through that season. We got the championship. I was on the sidelines because I had been suspended for three games. And uh, it was it was a terrible time. So then they shipped me off to Venice, Italy. Because the league was like, we're going to make an example. We don't have a program for our players. who uh, And at that time, we had a, a, a real crisis in the NBA with substance abuse, cocaine in particular. Uh, so I went to Italy. And my wife then put all of her work in Italy and France and all of that. So we had a, a real good time there. And then I came back to to. To play in, in in Washington, Jim and I was on the team there, and I was you know like I was doing really great, and then my wife yep. had an automobile accident, and that's when I went home to take care of my wife and my children and her her sisters and brothers because they are Somalians and they were in my home and and I started to get myself straightened out and get something done so iman she's a Well, you know, all of us models and everybody, we go see a psychiatrist. I'm like, you, what the hell I look like going to a psychiatrist? And so (laughs) she finally got me in there. And when I went in there and I started talking out my problems, and he was like, you got a drug problem, but you got a lot of other problems. (laughs) So I started just peeling off the layers and peeling off the layers, and I started to realize that, I had so much baggage. I had baggage from Mississippi being abused in Mississippi. So, so tough uh, that Supreme court case had me really. I, when I, when I used to talk to Kurt flood, he was like, you ain't going to be able to play. You're not going to be able to play. And Kurt flood, he was there at the Supreme court. Muhammad Ali was like, what are you doing here? And so he was there and here I am <laughs> like 20 years old. <laughs> so, so it was just so awesome to to get the kind of help that I need. And I, now I'm, a, this is my 30th year in sobriety, but my oh, 30 years awesome. of, like, getting the help I need. My daughter, Shakira, just used to see me going and dealing with my help, and she became a psychologist and psychiatrist. Oh, She's great. now 30 oh. years old. My youngest daughter, Isis, is over at Slam Magazine. My next daughter, uh Nikia, she's a professor at Lincoln University, and okay. my oldest daughter Zuleika, she's at uh, Iman Inc. and also Coke Industries. Wow! So uh, I've been fortunate. I, I've been married to my wife Linda for 30 years. I have still have a relationship with Iman. We have a, a granddaughter. So, and I have two grandsons who tell me they're going to be a basketball player, but my granddaughter says, I'll be better than all of them. They can't. (laughs) Hey,
1: (laughs) Spence, we got a minute, about a minute left, but real quick, uh, I know you've got uh, videos and books, correct? If you want to give that a quick book, Yeah, I have have, have the book.
0: The book is called The Spencer Hayward Rule because the NBA never allowed my name on my ruling because it was always, you know, he fought us to the Supreme Court, so we're not going to put his name on the ruling. So now Adam Silver and and uh, Michelle Roberts—they're getting ready to put the name on the ruling. So you won't be saying one and done, early entry, blah blah blah. It will be the Justice Spencer Hayward rule. So that book is wow. out and uh, it's hello. truly special. Yes. And also, I have the movie Full Court: The Spencer Hayward Story. It's prime. It's on Amazon Prime right now, streaming. Okay. So,
1: oh, that's yeah. Awesome. I am. I will alive be watching. And well. Spencer Haywood, I cannot tell you how much I enjoyed this, and and your former teammate Jim Jones as well. This has been a blast. Uh, Can we get a promise from you that you will come back at some point? Yeah. Oh, great. Oh, we'd love to have you. This has been a real treat. And so, uh, again, we look forward to the next conversation on Cavs HQ. Let's look
0: forward to it. Okay, Uh, thank you, fellas.
1: Oh, it's awesome. Thanks, Spencer. Thank you, Spencer. Spencer Haywood. Boy, he was more than comfortable in the legend's chair. What a guest. That was awesome. We'll come back, and we'll put the finishing touches on Kev's HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. To
2: show just how much we love you. And I'm sure you would agree what could fit more perfectly than to have a world party
0: on the day you came.
1: Oh, we'd be remiss if we didn't wish the oh. co-host happy birthday. Yes, thank sweets, you. sweets thank you, from Marty. Torn. Thanks,
2: Kurti. <laughs> Thanks, Leo. Thanks, Tim.
1: Happy birthday, my yes, friend. So. Thank you, thank you. May it thank be you. joyous and may you celebrate. Uh, happy birthday, Jim. Yeah, I am. Tim I Jones. got up
2: on my own. I'm fortunate. I got up on my own this morning.
1: <laughs> there you go. Well, again, two plus two, still four, two plus two, still four. As far as as I know, Jim, two plus two, of course, Jones, 22, (laughs) right? right. Jones, 22. Well, listen, I I just want to thank you as far as uh, reaching out to Spencer Haywood. That was awesome. That was a great interview, and we will have him back.
2: Yeah, the thing about Spencer is uh, uh, he's totally confident, self-assured, Uh, these young players need to hear that kind of commentary, uh, because it takes you to another reality, uh, that can happen to anyone. If you're not careful, if you're not aware of your environment, your situation and the respect and the focus that you command because of the sports you play, a lot of responsibility for younger players. Uh, Spencer is just magnificent. Oh, he was great. And, uh. Well-respected around the league now
1: with young and old players. Yep. Hey, real quick, uh, before we close up shop, uh, the Cavs have announced four preseason games, home games at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, Saturday the 12th and Monday the 14th against the Indiana Pacers. And then they'll go on the road at New York against the Knicks uh, Wednesday and Friday, of that week, so four preseason games, Jim. In about thirty seconds or so, what are you really looking forward to in training camp? Perhaps a, a battle that you're keeping an eye on, or just anything in particular that you'll be watching for?
2: Uh, you know what the, the the things I watch structurally are how fast they can play now. Now that our younger players have a better idea what's expected of them, even though they're not, uh, they still need to come around, mature. But they've got a better idea now as to what Coach Bickerstaff wants and Kobe wants. I just want to see how fast they play. What I've noticed is that the really good teams and the teams that are going somewhere and developing, uh, each year they play faster and faster because of familiarity. And uh, we've got some super athletes on this team, something that we never had, maybe one guy, maybe two. But now we're going to have a team full of super athletes who are going to be fundamentally correct. The other thing I want to watch is the young boy. Okoro. I can't wait to see him. Everything that I've heard about him has been positive. He's a man child, and I can't wait to see this young man play.
1: Hey, let's play some Cavaliers basketball. Jim, happy birthday. Many thanks. Thanks to Thank Leo, you. Simone, Kurt McLaughlin, Marty Allen. Biggest thanks goes to you, the listeners. From Cavaliers Radio Control, so long, everybody.